This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. A wild night in Major League Baseball uh, as we have the second night of the pitcher checks. And things got a little crazy last night. We'll get to that, of course, coming up in a minute. Uh, Some of the stuff was (laughs) very entertaining. Uh, Some of it. You know, it's one of those things that uh, if you're Rob Manfred today, you're looking at it and going, okay, you know, unintended consequences is, you know, are we going to see this nuttiness uh, for the rest of the season? So we'll we'll get to all that in a minute. I want to start this morning, though, with a quick uh, uh, little note, a little commentary, as uh, we all saw yesterday. Uh, Carl Nassib, the defensive lineman for the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, came out yesterday in a a one-minute video. Actually, it was on Monday. He came out and uh, announced to the world that he was gay, becoming the first uh, active NFL player to ever publicly declare uh, that he's gay. Look, uh, my first – and, you know – as I saw in a column in the Associated Press, you know, if this had happened five, six, seven, eight years ago, it would have been, you know, he would have been mobbed. There would have been all kinds of, uh, you know, news cameras at his house and, you know, everybody and their brother would have wanted to talk to him. And in fact, uh, I wouldn't say this was with a whimper because, but it was, you know, look, it's social media being what it is now. It was, uh, Everybody commented on it, and he got a lot of support from other people around the NFL. Uh, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, uh, made a statement yesterday, said that uh, the NFL family was proud of him for uh, what he called courageously sharing his truth. Look, here's the deal. I'm, I, I, we don't, I, I'm at a point where we don't need to keep talking about this. You know, I mean, I, I get the whole, you know, equal rights thing, and I'm all for, you know, gay people having the same rights as heterosexual people uh, outside, and I'm sorry, and and I know that, I look, I have have family members who are gay, and I know this isn't popular, but to me, the only, the only, you know, thing to me that they shouldn't be able to do is have a marriage. I'm against gay marriage, and I'll, you know, I've, I've said that from the beginning. However, I do believe that they should be able to have civil unions. I do believe that they should be able to, uh, uh, if they're together uh, as domestic partners, be able to have uh, health insurance coverage. I don't believe they should be discriminated against for jobs. So it's not, to me, this isn't about, like, uh, you know, uh, gay rights per se. And you're going to say, well, except you're going to say, well, there's one right they shouldn't have. And, you know, that's my personal opinion. And, uh, you know, some of it's... uh, 
some of it is probably religious based, I guess. Um, but be that as it may, I'm not a, a, against holding uh, gay people down for anything. OK, so. But I also don't think that we need to constantly talk about this. I'm at a point now where I don't care if you're gay. I don't I don't care what sports you play. If you're gay, God bless you. You know, uh, it's it's I, I've said all along, I think we're focused too much on that. Um, you know, look, uh, I don't care, uh, you know, if you're heterosexual. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you want to, you know, m- you know, live with a goat. <laughs> I don't care. Here's what I don't want. I don't want to see it. I don't need to see heterosexual people make it out in public. I don't want to see gay people make it out in public. I don't want to see somebody with a goat make it out. In I just look, be, be what you are, you know, live your life. It's nobody's business. Um, so just, you know, as they said, outside of the marriage thing, you know, but other than that, they should have the, absolutely. If you're living with somebody, whether you're even heterosexual people, they've gotten to a point with heterosexual people with domestic partners. Uh, my wife and I were facing that when we lived together for several years before we got married. And, you know, one of her companies that she worked for was, you know, because we were domestic partners, I was still able to be covered under her insurance if we so choose, you know, um, and that should be the case for anybody, whether you're heterosexual, whether you're gay, whatever. So, uh, you know, I mean, good for him that he had, but it, it but I don't. Th- we're at a point where I, we don't need to have these uh, big announcements. You are what you are, and everybody just needs to suck it up and live with it. You know, again, be, do whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. You know, if you, I don't care. You know, I, I mean, you know, I guess this was, you know, this is a big hurdle for the NFL because it's such a macho sport. But again. I don't care. And I think what we saw from the reaction yesterday from a lot of people, they don't care. They're like, dude, just play football. We love you. Go play. You know, I mean, great. So, you know, and and maybe this is going to open a door for, you know, and we've already had it in baseball. Uh, I think we had it in basketball as well. But, you know, look, it it is what it is. You are what you are. So, uh, you know, good for him. But, again, I think what we have seen where we've come in this country where it's not as you know, as I said, five, six, seven, eight years ago, oh, my God, stop the presses. This is probably uh, the first thing on the national news. And now it's like, hey, good for you. You know, and that's the way it ought to be, frankly. Um, the other thing that happened uh, since we weren't here yesterday, I want to talk about briefly, uh, was the Supreme Court unanimously uh, voted the other day on Monday about basically saying that uh, universities are not exempt from antitrust laws, basically opening the door for student athletes to be compensated um, for what they do for these universities above and beyond uh, free tuition. It opens the door for further benefits. It doesn't necessarily mean pay, but it does mean further benefits. Per, for instance, uh, you know, uh, paid internships, uh, graduate uh, college, uh, free tuition. I mean, uh, the name, image, and likeness thing is going to happen. It's happening everywhere. And I think that's going to solve a lot of the problems. Uh, and, but everybody, when if, if you looked at 
the headlines after this Supreme Court thing, you would basically think that every college athlete's about to get paid. It's not the case. It's, you know, the, the decision was basically saying, look, you know, it's, it's got to be looked at and there's got to be other things going forward. Basically saying, look, colleges can't just hide behind amateurism because amateurism is kind of a, uh, a misnomer these days, especially for the big time universities for football and basketball. There is specifically, well, well, men's and women's basketball, I guess, but for those for basketballs and football, major college football, it's a different animal. You know, for instance, uh, you know, look, they're not going to pay the star quarterback from Alabama and the star, uh, you know, uh, left, you know, winger on the uh, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson University women's soccer team the same amount of money if it ever did get to that. So there's going to be disparity. And how the hell are you ever going to figure out who gets paid and who doesn't? When men's and women's basketball and football bring in millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, from television revenue, bowl revenue, et cetera, and your other sports bring in no revenue and, matter of fact, are a drain on the athletic department's budgets, how do you, how do you pay one and not pay the other? It's a very slippery slope. I think the name, image, and likeness thing is going to help in, to some degree, but uh, it's not a level playing field, and I don't know how we ever get to that point, you know, to where it is. And look, um, again, people that want to say, well, these guys are just essentially professional athletes, back up the bus. 2% of the kids that go on, uh, that play college athletics, 2% become professional athletes. Less, actually, it's fewer than 2%. It's like 1.7-something. They have 460,000 student-athletes. All right? So you're going to have 2% of those. So, you know, you're going to have essentially out of that 460,000, about, what, seven, 8,000 that will go on to play professional sports? That's a minuscule amount. So, uh, you know, they are not professionals. Now, you can make the case that, you know, guys that are playing major bowl college football, that, you know, a lot of those are going to get drafted. They're going to have an opportunity. Even in basketball, think about this, in college basketball, right? The NBA draft, it's not like the NBA is drafting, you know, a thousand kids out of college basketball. You know, the NBA draft is a few rounds and it's over, right? It's over. So, you know, you got, so they're going to draft about a hundred kids a year. And, you know, a few others will get signed as free agents, et cetera. But by and large, these kids aren't making a lot of money. You know, and others will go on to play in Europe. That's where the majority of the basketball players play professionally. When they say they're playing professionally, they're doing it. They're not doing it in the NBA. They're doing it overseas. But it's still we're talking about a very small amount. So I don't know how you balance that with the majority of the ninety-eight point, you know, percent of the kids that are not going to play professional sports. How do you, how do you do it? And, and I think the Supreme Court you know, gave some clarity on one side saying, look, you know, colleges can't just say, well, you're getting your, your athletic scholarship. That's all you're, you know, entitled to. But at the same time, uh, they didn't really say, well, yeah, but women's soccer players should get paid as much as a star quarterback. 
you know. So how do you how do you figure that out? You know, and, and the other piece of this is the ninety eight percent that don't go on to play professional sports. Okay, you've still gotten a free education. For instance, Dan Shaughnessy in the Boston Globe this morning points out if you get a full scholarship to go to Stanford, okay, full scholarship for four years at Stanford, that's three hundred grand. $300,000 that a family is not responsible for because you've gotten free free tuition, free room and board, everything, books, everything's paid for. 300 grand. And not only that, it's Stanford. If you got a degree from Stanford, your earning potential is huge. You know, you're you've got an opportunity to go on and make a lot more money uh, than you would ordinarily. So you know, that is worth something as well. So and and as I've said all along, you know, the college tuition is worth it. Look, my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, young, excuse me, my youngest daughter, I mean, she came out of college, uh, four years of undergrad and a couple of years of grad school, you know, $175,000 in debt. $175,000 in debt. Don't you think, I'll tell you what, if somebody had said to her, hey, we'll, uh, you know, you can play, come play softball here if she was talented enough. You can play softball here and we'll pay for everything. She'd have done it in a heartbeat and wouldn't have cared about getting paid. So there is value there. And I, I don't know how we're ever going to get there uh, to where it's, you know, we, we can get what people think is equitable. I think the name, image, and likeness thing is a step in the right direction. And, you know, we'll see how that ends up playing out. Uh, but, again, the Supreme Court basically put the colleges on notice. You know, you don't get a free ride anymore. But at the same time, uh, they didn't really uh, – uh, put it put a uh, a clear demarcation of of what it should look like so we'll see how it, uh, how going forward all right let's uh, let's get into the wild world of baseball last night now a couple of weeks ago the MLB you know put pitchers on notice we're checking we're going to be checking for foreign substances on the baseball that's helping you increase your spin rate and, and help increase the movement on your pitches. It's coming. We're giving you a couple of weeks of notice for you to figure this out. Okay. So they did it on the first day. Uh, the first guy to ever get checked was Jacob DeGrom, right? He's, they had a doubleheader against Atlanta afternoon game. You know, he was kind of laughing about it, you know, smiling with the, you know, the umpires and uh, let him check. And, you know, it, it hasn't been an issue. All right. At least it wasn't on the first day. And most guys yesterday, it was not an issue. You know, I watched the Red Sox game last night, never an issue. But again, now we talk about unintended consequences. And this is one of the things where Major League Baseball has said they were not going to allow managers to use this. Uh, umpire check as some kind of gamesmanship well last night in the Washington Nationals Philadelphia Phillies game in the middle of an inning I think it was the fourth inning uh, Joe Girardi the manager for the Philadelphia Phillies came out to the umpires and said hey I want Max Scherzer checked he's touching his hair too much you know I think he's putting something on the baseball Max Scherzer had already been checked twice, was found to be clean. So 
Uh, after the fourth inning, Girardi asked him to be checked. Scherzer is pissed. He throws down his glove. He throws down his hat. He, he unbuckles his belt. He's ready to take his pants off right there on the mound. So they check him. Everything is fine, but he had been checked between after the first and third innings already. All right. So this time, you know, he was like, I've had enough of this crap. Right. And uh, so, and he said, look, he said, I have nothing, zero on me. He said, nothing. Check whatever you want. I'll take all my clothes off if you want to see me, you know. And he said, at the, at, he said, look, at the, at the end of the game, he said, I would have to be an absolute fool to actually use something tonight when everybody's antenna is so, so high that they'd look for anything. And he's right. Jerry Remy said it in the Red Sox game. Any pitcher that gets caught doing this, especially in the first week, is a dope. You'd have to be an idiot. Now, Scherzer said he had been having trouble gripping the baseball. And he lost control of a ball at one point. He threw a 95-mile-an-hour pitch that he lost control of, slipped out of his hand, and went up and in on Alex Bohm, almost hit him in the head. And he said, so, you know, I got tired of licking my fingers and tasting rosin the entire night. And he said, look, he said, the only place I could get enough moisture without constantly licking my hands after applying the rosin was, was which he said tastes gross, and it does, um, was, was by touching the sweat on my head. And he said, you know, uh, and so then he comes back out for the fifth inning, sets the Phillies down in order, and as he's walking off the mound and walking back to his dugout, he is staring at the Phillies dugout the entire time, staring right at Joe Girardi the entire time, after he'd been checked in the fourth, comes out, one, two, three, in the fifth, and just stares him down. Well, Girardi loses his mind, starts yelling at Scherzer, comes out of the dugout, comes onto the field, screaming at the Nationals' dugout, and Scherzer, come on, come on, come fight me. Seriously. Joe Girardi said, come fight me. Well, the home plate umpire, Tim Timmons, you know, stops Girardi and then ejects him. <laughs> what are you doing? Girardi going to challenge him to a fight because he stared you down because you tried to, you know, do a little gamesmanship. And Girardi afterwards says, I'm not playing games. I'm trying to win games. Uh, he said, uh, you know, I, I have respect for what Max has done in his career, but I'm trying to do what's right for our team. Look, they've checked him twice already. There's nothing on him. Why all of a sudden do you think they're going to find something on him? You know, it's ridiculous. And, you know, Scherzer is, you know, in the dugout just mocking Girardi, holding up his hat and his glove and, you know, asking, he asked him if he wanted to check him one more time, which is, you know, one of the reasons why Girardi lost his mind. So, uh, and look, Scherzer said, this is just ridiculous. He said, you know, he, he said, look, this is a problem with spider attack in the game. The guys are using it. Just, he said, but I also think there's a way to handle this differently. He said, we're going to continue to have more events like this because pitchers aren't going to be too happy doing this because they're trying to play by the rules. 
you know, and that's the problem that, you know, the number of guys using the spider tack, you know, again, people have said, I don't necessarily have an issue if you're mixing sunscreen and rosin because, you know, it's stopping guys from, you know, buzzing the tower accidentally and, or maybe, you know, hurting somebody. But there's a difference between that and this, this spider tack, which is, you know, what some guys are using and the guys that are doing it the right way, you know, are going to get pissed. And Max Scherzer's one of them, you know. So I get it. Then later on in the evening, uh, Sergio Romo uh, was going to be checked uh, in the game for the uh, athletics, right? And he's tired of the stuff as well. Throws off, throws down the hat, throws down the gloves, takes his belt off completely unbuckles his pants and drops trow in the middle of the field <laughs> just took his pants off now he dropped them he didn't drop them he didn't he didn't step out and take up but you know and and his his jersey is long so it kind of covered up his underwear but the bottom line was he's like look what do you this is just ridiculous and that's the problem and this is where you know the game has to police itself that you had guys using the spider tack, and everybody knows who was using it. If you were using spider tack, your team needs to police you and say, don't do it anymore. If they had done that from the beginning, we wouldn't be where we are right now. And there's been talks about, well, they shouldn't have done it in the middle of the field, you know, in the middle of the year, yada, yada, yada. And there, there may be some validity to that. But at the same time, when Major League Baseball starts this thing, starts the season, and the offense is at an all-time low where, you know, teams are – we got a team that was hitting under 200, you know, and the major league average now is like 238, you know. And it is so is so skewed in the direction of the pitchers that it's not even funny that the game is becoming boring. Strikeouts or home runs, that's it. They said we got to do something or we're going to lose everybody. We're going to lose fans, you know, by the droves. And – uh. So this is what you get. You cheat. MLB has to do something. This is what you get. And look, the numbers bear it out. You know, there was a study done uh, by this uh, group called Codify that specializes in baseball data. And they showed a chart that over the last 10 days, there has been a noticeable drop in fastball spin rate around the league. Noticeable. Now, they say it's 60 RPM, and, th- and they say, you know, that's not insignificant, but it's an average. And so what you have to keep in mind is that some guys stayed the same because they weren't cheating and they were doing things the right way to begin with. You had other guys that were cheating, and their RPM drop-off was much more pronounced. Uh, think Garrett uh, Richards of the Boston Red Sox. Think Garrett Cole. His, his numbers on his uh, fastball are way down. So there has been a difference. There is no question. So, but last night, watching guys literally start undressing on the field because they're pissed off and watching what Joe Girardi did, and by the way, he's not going to be the only manager that's going to try to use this to gain an advantage. You know, so buckle up. Uh, But last night, Max Scherzer was hot. And then Max Scherzer used that just to continue to fuel himself. And that's the, the thing I loved about this is that at the end of the day, 
Joe Girardi can do whatever he wants to do, but Max Scherzer basically shoved it right up as you know what, because Max Scherzer went out and you know struck out eight guys, only gave up two hits, and his team won the game. You know, so whatever Joe Girardi was trying to do failed. And uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch here in the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to reach a point in a couple of weeks where things will calm down. But right now, this is a hot-button issue that a lot of pitchers uh, are kind of, I guess, taking offense to is the only way I can put it. Because those are the guys that are taking the most offense to it are the guys that weren't cheating to begin with. The guys that were using this stuff, have been pretty quiet. Even Garrett Cole, who, you know, it's pretty obvious he was using the spider tack. His numbers have, have dropped a ton. It's obvious. Even he has not been, like, you know, screaming about it. And when he did a press conference prior to the ban taking place, he was very subdued and basically admitted without admitting it that he had been using it. So, you know, for the ones that, the ones that screamed the loudest are the guys to me that weren't cheating to begin with. It's the guys that just are kind of meekly going about their business are the ones that you know were doing it. But uh, it was, God, it was funny watching watching Max Scherzer lose his mind. Uh, and, and I'm a big Max Scherzer fan. He's as fiery as they come. And, man, that was just uh, great theater last night uh, in that game. It's 31 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call on a Wednesday morning. Uh, the TPC uh, of uh, and River Highlands is uh, starting hosting the Travelers Championship. Um, the tournament officially starts tomorrow. They have the Pro-Am out there today, a lot of big celebrities uh, teeing it up. They're going to allow 10,000 fans a day. They've decided that, uh, uh, that that's the number that's appropriate. They are asking spectators to wear a mask I don't think I don't know how militant they're going to be about that it'll be interesting to see uh, we're going to try to get Sam Dostler on tomorrow to talk about that a great field um Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka will both be there uh they're not going to get paired up so that's not happening uh by the way it was not uh, Brooks I mean excuse me Bryson DeChambeau is going to represent uh, the United States in the Olympics in Tokyo. A lot of the big names in golf have pulled out. Now, John Rahm, who just won uh, the U.S. Open, is going to be there. But uh, several other guys, like Dustin Johnson, uh, has said, look, it's just it's a busy schedule and I can't fit it in. There's a bunch of other guys. I think the top four players in the world are going to be there. No, or, or four of the top five, something like that, are going to be there. Uh, but a lot of the uh, a bigger name, Sergio Garcia, has decided he's not going to go. Uh, several of Louis Oosthuizen. Uh, who was the runner-up at the U.S. Open, also not going to go. But uh, uh, but Bryson DeChambeau is going to be there, and I'm going to be in a weird position. I want the U.S. to do well, but I can't root for that guy. I just can't. It's just brutal. Uh, all right, Red Sox last night. Um, they get a win over the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. They are now 4-0 and against the Rays this year. I'll tell you what, against the American League East, uh, the Red Sox are absolutely tearing it up right now. I mean, they just have dominated American League East competition. The Red Sox now with a game-and-a-half lead in the division over the Rays, five-and-a-half over the Yankees, seven over Toronto. And, again, if you had told me the start of the season at 70 games in, this is where the Red Sox were going to be, I would have thought you were 
smoking some of that cannabis that just became legal to uh, to possess here in the state of Connecticut. Uh, last night's game uh, was kind of it was a strange game. You know, Jerry Remy kept saying that it felt like a playoff game to him. You know, I don't know if I would go that far. It was a bizarre game. Uh, the Red Sox fielding yesterday was atrocious. Base running was atrocious on both parts. Um, Red Sox made two errors, led to a couple of unearned runs against uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, Rodriguez pitched well. People keep trying to say, well, you know, uh, the results weren't there, but he still looked better. Yeah, it, it, I, You know, and he was unlucky. And, yeah, he get you know what, and I, I'll give you this. In the first inning, he gave up two runs. Uh, there was an error. There was a walk. Uh, there was an, uh, uh, like an infield hit, uh, actually kind of two infield hits. Ball never really got hit hard, uh, and the error kind of set things up. And so I'll give you maybe that one. But, I'll, you know, he wasn't – I don't know. I'm sorry. You know, he got to the fifth inning. They started hitting him around a little bit. He looked like he was out of gas. He ended up, you know, struggling through six innings, gave up seven hits, five runs. He did strike out seven guys. I just – I don't know. I maybe I'm missing something, but people keep saying he's coming, he's coming. I think it's wishful thinking. I I just I don't know what's wrong with this guy. He doesn't seem like the right the same pitcher. But I hope he figures it out. Please. Um but again, bad uh bad fielding. Uh some atrocious base running on both sides. Yandy Diaz gets thrown out trying to stretch a double into a triple and he was out by a mile. Rafi Devers in extra innings last night with a ball hit to the third baseman. He's on second base. The ball is in front of him. He tries to go from second to third. He gets tagged out in extra innings. In the 10th inning, he gets tagged out, and they complete a double play. Wander Franco tags him out and then throws across for the double play. The inning's over. Think about this for a minute. The Red Sox start with a free runner on second base to start the 10th inning, right? They get a single. An intentional walk and a strikeout, and the inning's over. You know, nothing, you know, they ran themselves out of an inning. They ran, you know, themselves into two outs. And he's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, now, they made up for it. They got, they, they got through that mistake because uh, they come out in the 10th. Uh, Sawamura and Darwins and Hernandez do a great job of getting through the 10th inning. So they take it to the 11th. The Sox score four runs in the 11th inning and, uh, end up winning this thing nine to five. And, uh, Tampa had to use seven pitchers last night, which is not going to help them going forward. I mean, they used Colin McHugh for three years, out, uh, three innings out of the bullpen. Uh, F- Fire Eisen came in for a couple of innings. Pete Fairbanks, who's like their closer, a guy that is going to be a valuable piece in this three-game series. He ends up pitching two innings yesterday through uh, 37 pitches. He's not going to pitch the rest of this series now. He ends up taking the loss because they had to leave him out there because they'd used everybody else, right? So he has to go back out for the 11th. He's got nothing in the tank. This is a guy that normally throws the ball 99 miles an hour. Kevin Cash left him out there for so long he had nothing left. He was starting to throw breaking balls, and the Red Sox were crushing him. So, you know, uh, it sets it may set it up well for the Red Sox for, you know, the rest of the series. We'll see. But uh, Hunter Renfro, a big night last night, a home run, 
Had another hit, a double as well, an RBI. He drove in three runs last night, up to 260 now. Rafi Devers, a couple more hits, three runs batted in. Despite the error, despite the base running blunder, he tried his best to make up for it. Uh, Xander Bogarts, three more hits last night. Uh, J.D. Martinez with a two-run double last night. I mean, everybody got involved. I mean, the only guy really that didn't, or the only two guys that didn't, were uh, uh, Christian Vasquez, who went over. And Bobby Dahlbeck, oh, God love him. I felt so bad for the kid last night. He, Matter of fact, Dahlbeck gets thrown out at the plate last night on a, uh, a pitch that got past the catcher. A wild pitch goes through his legs to the backstop. It went through Zanino's legs. He picks it up, and they throw it to Fairbanks, and they get Dahlbeck at the plate to end the 10th inning. That's what, That was the second run they ran, uh, they ran into, uh, out they ran into in that inning. But Dahlbeck was up five times. He struck out four of them. He struck. He was four for four for strikeouts in his first four at-bats. Fortunately, he made contact in the last one, or he was going to have uh, five Ks and five at-bats. Uh, but, uh, look, Sox with 11 hits last night, and uh, they got the hits with runners in scoring position, something they'd been struggling to do, uh, six for ten with runners in scoring position. And the Red Sox bullpen, what a great job. After Erod, uh, five scoreless innings, they held – Tampa to just three for 17 with runners in scoring position and uh, take that win all day long. Uh, Wander Franco, the uh, number one overall prospect in Major League Baseball, of course, made his debut last night for uh, Tampa, made his presence felt pretty quickly. Three-run home run off of Erod in the fifth inning. Had a double in the game as well. Uh, Made a couple of nice defensive plays. This kid's the real deal, and he can fly. A switch hitter, uh, got power, and he can uh, he can flat out run. So uh, he looks like he's going to be a star. At a, you know, there were about twelve thousand people there last night, and uh, it was the atmosphere was pretty electric. Uh, and the kid looks like he was having the time of his life. So good for him. Um, and uh, you know, could be the start of something really really big. Uh, the Yankees lose last night. Uh, I mentioned Garrett Cole's numbers being down in terms of spin rate. Um, this is a guy that averaged about his, his RPMs of about 2,500. He was between 2,100 and 2,400 last night. Uh, his curveball RPMs were way down. His slider was way down. Uh, so it is uh, apparent that Garrett Cole is going to struggle. Now, having said that, okay, struggle. He still, despite the numbers being down, and this, he still pitched seven innings last night, struck out six. Uh, he did walk three, but he only gave up two runs and three hits. So it wasn't like he got battered all over the ballpark, but he definitely did not have the movement on his pitches. But give credit to the Kansas City Royals. They looked like they were in big trouble. Uh, they're down 3-2 against a great Yankee bullpen, and yet... They managed to come up with four runs in the top of the eighth off of Jonathan Loisega, and uh, they end up winning this game. Uh, they hang on to win it 6-5. to five. Uh, Greg Holland picked up his fifth save of the season for Kansas City. And, the, you know, look, the Royals, who just took two out of three from the Red Sox, uh, take one from the Yankees as well. And this is even more significant because it was in New York. And, look, you know, the Royals are five games under five they They're not going anywhere. But they're also, you know, they're not the Baltimore Orioles. They're not the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're still a team that can be dangerous. 
Uh, and, you know, they didn't get a great performance from Brady Singer, you know, one of their pretty good young pitchers. Uh, didn't get out of the fourth inning last night, but their bullpen did a pretty good job keeping them in the game, and the Royals end up winning this one. Uh, the Blue Jays win yesterday. They beat the Marlins 2-1, uh, to one, so they keep themselves in the mix. Uh, Alcantara pitched a great game for Miami yesterday, eight innings. He only gave up five hits and a run, but his team could do absolutely nothing. Ross Stripling, another Strong start for Toronto. Just one hit, excuse me, two hits in one run and seven strikeouts over six innings. Bullpen does its job. Romano picks up his fourth save. And uh, Toronto now back over 500, one game over 500, and uh, still very much much in the mix in the National League East. Uh, the Mets lose yesterday to the Atlanta Braves 3 nothing. More concerning in this game for the Mets, not just as a loss, Marcus Stroman left the game in the second inning with a hip issue, and uh, uh, he was in quite a bit of pain. He wasn't right in the first inning. He walked a couple of guys, came back out for the second, and uh, was warming up and just was like, I can't do this. So he ends up leaving the game, and now the Mets, who are already down a bunch of pitchers, are going to lose Marcus Stroman, it looks like, to the injured list. Don't know exactly how bad it is but look this is a guy that had lasted at least six innings in in each of his last eight starts uh you know throw three pitches in a second and he's out of the game uh and charlie morton another strong start for atlanta uh morton allowed just one hit struck out 11 over seven innings and picks up his seventh win of the season uh it was his 100th major league win and uh, a, a much-needed win for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they're still two games under five hundred, but with that uh, win, they get to within four games of the New York Mets. They are tied with the uh, Philadelphia Phillies in second place. But uh, most concerning for the Mets is what is going to happen uh, now with, with Stroman. I mean, I, you know, they haven't decided. It looks like they're going to have to dip down uh, into the minors, or they're going to have to go out and try to wheel some kind of a trade because, uh, you know, I'm not sure that they've got enough pitching now. I mean, look, this is a dangerous lineup, and they're starting to get some people uh, back, but I'm not sure uh, <laughs> whether they're going to have enough pitching. Uh, Larry Leach just checked in, uh, and he said, I sounded excited that the Yankees lost. I'm always excited when the Yankees lose, Larry. Um but uh, Larry always loves to remind me back when we were uh, uh, in college together. We actually were college roommates uh, for a little while. A great basketball player, by the way. One of uh, he was an unbelievable basketball player at Franklin Pierce, and uh, he wa- always wants to remind me of 1978 and the Bucky Dent home run. I will never forget that game because I skipped a history exam, uh, Frank Moriarty's history exam, uh, to watch that playoff game and to watch Bucky Dent. Uh, crush the Red Sox hopes in that playoff game. Larry loves to remind me of that. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it. Uh, it is 47 minutes past the hour. we got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call on a Wednesday morning. A few more minutes before uh, we get out of here. Uh, did you see the finish to the Phoenix Suns game last night against the Clippers? Oh, my God. Um uh, you know, it's one of these things that y- you see these from time to time in basketball. They almost never work. Uh, but the uh, the Suns had an opportunity with uh, 
just about a second left on the clock, and what a pass. Jay Crowder, a lob pass. DeAndre Ayton goes over the rim and tips it in, and the Suns end up winning that game. They take a 2-0 lead in the series, so they're heading back to Los Angeles. But here's the thing. Look, you know, and you'd say, well, the Clippers are in big trouble. The Clippers have already come back from two games down twice in the playoffs this year. Um, They were, uh, what, two down to uh, the Mavericks, and they came back and won that one. Uh, They were also down 2-0 to the Jazz. They came back and won that one. So, look, uh, anytime you've got a special player, uh, like Paul George on that team, you know, I don't count them out. George had 26 points last night, and the Clippers actually led this with about 30 seconds to go. They had a lead, uh, and it was their first lead since, like, early in the third quarter. Uh, and then uh, hit, a, hit a, a long jumper the next time, a long two, uh, put them back up 103-102 with about, what, 10, 15 seconds to go. But uh, – he ends up missing a couple of free throws. And the guy, this is a guy that's an 85% free throw shooter. Uh, he missed two free throws with about eight seconds left. Um, and uh, after the Suns missed the three-pointer, it looked like they were toast. Uh, but the ball got deflected out of bounds. And then the uh, the great pass from Crowder uh, laid it in perfect position. So, boy, what a finish to that game last night. That was fun. Uh, in the NHL last night, the Montreal Canadiens are now one game away from the Stanley Cup Finals. And I'm telling you what, this is a team that people didn't think were even going to make the playoffs. They figured when they got in, they were going to be a quick out. They look like, uh, I mean, they were down 3-0 to Toronto, right? Uh, they were, Or 3-1 to Toronto. They come back to win that series. Then they swept Win- Winnipeg. And they lose game four. Um, and then they come back to win for the second time in Vegas. They win 4-1 last night. Uh, Carey Price, 26 saves. And uh, I thought the night the Vegas Knights were definitely going to the Stanley Cup Finals, but it's not looking very good. Uh, the other series that is uh, heading to uh, Game 5 is going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders. The Islanders got absolutely drilled the other night, 8 nothing. Uh, their next game is tonight, so that'll be uh, entertaining to watch as well. Oh, one other NBA note, the Detroit Pistons. Uh, got the number one pick in the NBA draft lottery. Uh, one of the worst history or worst seasons in their history. Uh, at least they've got something to show for it. They'll have the number one pick when the draft comes up uh, on the 29th. Uh, Houston got the number two pick. Uh, Cleveland picks third, and then Toronto will get the number four pick. Uh, you know, Houston had an absolutely awful season as well. Uh, but uh, they had a basically had a 50-50 chance, and Detroit ends up getting that number one pick. A couple other notes in Major League Baseball last night. The Dodgers lose again to the San Diego Padres. Boy, I tell you what, these, these games have been so much fun to watch between these two teams this year. Uh, the Dodgers lose again. The Padres win last night 3-2. Blake Snell. Uh, was very good last night. Now, he only went five, you know, and that's that's about, it seems to be uh, Blake Snell's uh, thing. He's he's not going to go deep into games, um, but he goes five last night, five shutout innings. He did walk three. He did give up four hits. He was in some trouble, but he managed to get out of it, and San Diego got to Clayton Kershaw for three runs and four hits in six innings. Jake Cronenworth, his 10th home run of the season, and San Diego wins this three to two. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. back in the lineup for San Diego. Went 0 for 4 last night. 
but uh, it's just good to see him back on the field with uh, all the health issues that uh, that he's had. Now, of course, both the Dodgers and the Padres are still chasing the San Francisco Giants, and the Giants just don't look like they want to lose. The Giants are now 21 games over 500. They have the best record in baseball. Come on. Uh, let's just give Gabe Kapler <laughs> manager of the year right now. Anthony DiScalfani yesterday, uh, seven shutout innings. He moves to 8-2. and two. His ERA drops to 2.77. Andrew Heaney, who had been pitching pretty well for the Angels of late, uh, got battered around. Uh, but, man, Wilmer Flores hits his seventh home run. Uh, Mauricio Dubon hit his fifth. Uh, and uh, the the Giants just keep rolling. Five nothing last night. They have a three-game lead over the Dodgers. Four and a half over the Padres. So they, uh, uh, they are not going anywhere. The Houston Astros won their ninth straight game last night. They are now 45 and 28. They beat the Baltimore Orioles 3 to 1. Zach Greinke last night pitched into the eighth inning, gave up one run on five hits. Uh, uh, Miles Straw hit his second home run of the season for Houston last night, but uh, they just keep on rolling. The Athletics keep pace. The Athletics beat the Rangers yesterday 13 to 6. This just was an ugly game. Oakland jumped out early. Uh, they were up, I think, 9 nothing after three. Uh, Texas crawled back to within 9-6, but then Oakland scored four more in the top of the ninth to put that thing away. 13 runs on 15 hits uh, for the Oakland Athletics. Uh, so the Houston Astros now a game ahead of Oakland and uh, seven games ahead of Seattle, who's three games over 500 as well. But uh, uh, that's going to be a great race. I'm going to be taping a podcast tonight, the uh, Boys of Summer podcast with my buddies uh, Paul Arnold and uh, Eric Braun. And we'll have that for you tomorrow afternoon on Sports Country Radio. That should be a lot of fun. We're going to talk tonight about the National League East, uh, another division with the Washington Nationals picking things up. Uh, That is going to be a great finish for that one as well. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We leave you with some music from Carly Pierce. Carly Pierce, who was just uh, announced that she is going to be the latest member of the Grand Old Opry. Dolly Parton surprised her yesterday with that announcement. So uh, for the latest member of the Grand Old Opry, Carly Pierce, here's Next Girl. And we'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.